Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Man Up Podcast, the spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors. We're regular guys. We're so regular, we're coming to you uh, from off-site. We're in Missouri City. We're one town over from Sugar Land, where we're usually based. We're in Spring Creek Barbecue, who's hosting us in a room tonight. Uh, We've got, in fact... And maybe for me, they put on the World Series of Poker is going. So, yeah. and, uh, and why are we here? <laughs> Steve, tell us we are not here to play poker. At the church. We are here. We are here uh, to uh, just. Uh, we're looking at this week at the um, at a great story, one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. It's it's, it's perhaps the most cultural thing we've come across because if you say if you say David and Goliath. Uh, anywhere, I think, in the world, people would know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and so, as, uh, as here, where we are, who we are, uh, I'm Steve Titch. I'm filling in for our regular host, Bill Cox, who is on vacation. Uh, with me on the Man Up panel today uh, are, uh, he's the prosecutor, the judge, Mike Cropper, Mike Cropper for the people. Uh, he's here with us today. Uh, our corporate trainer, Robert Koshu, uh, and our deacon. Uh, service is his business. <laughs> Kyle Trey. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's a new intro. We never know how we're going to get intro. It's kind of fun, actually. And we are in uh, a study of the first book of Samuel. Our book is Character and the Crown uh, from the Connect 360 series from the Baptist Way Press. Uh, we are at Lesson 8. Uh, again, one of the most well-known stories of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, the title of the story is Faith to Face a Giant. Mm-hmm. And it is exactly about that. Uh, David and Goliath. And we may all think we know the story. I, it's going to be very excited getting into a deep dive on this because there are details that often are glossed over, aren't remembered, and uh, it's a thrilling uh, tale to work your way through. And uh, I think we'll, we'll cover some uh, surprises for people who are familiar with the story and on a, on a, on maybe on a slight basis haven't taken a look at it in a while. And this is a real story that, that goes to what Man Up is all about. It is a story about being awesome. And, well, I'm going to go to, go to Mike first to kind of uh, bring us up to where we are right now and, uh, and get the ball rolling. Hi, everyone. Yes, uh, boy, it's great to be here. Uh, Steve didn't catch my hint earlier when I was asking why we're here. We're here, folks. This is Tuesday, and our church is closed on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, July fourth. <laughs> this is July third, and, and and you know what? And most most people are celebrating tonight, but it was important to us because we love the story so much. We wanted to get together and talk about it and bring it to you. 
And of course the story is, as Steve said, David and Goliath. And everybody knows that story. I don't even think you'd have to read the Scriptures to know what what we're going to talk about. But there are details, as Steve mentioned, that we're going to look at, hopefully, that will uh, enlighten us to the story a little bit more than had we just gloss through it. And uh, by the way, what it's chapter 17, right, in 1 Samuel, mm-hmm. Steve? Is that yes, right, yes. Robert? Yep. Okay, what, what I'd like to mention to you very briefly was that uh, just to present to you David, uh, who has been in the previous lesson we talked about him, he is going to be the successor to King Saul, the first king of Israel. Now David, David has uh, uh, been anointed king, but on the way to being anointed king, the way the story goes on, I want to present to you folks, is that uh, David is the youngest of eight brothers. He is a baby. Okay, When Samuel comes to anoint him, when the God gives Samuel the insight that he's to anoint a new king over Israel, uh, and he's not to be the king yet, but he is to anoint the new king to replace Saul when that day comes, uh, Samuel goes to Jesse, who is in Bethlehem, which is not far from the battle that we're going to talk about today. And uh, David, David is the youngest of eight sons of Jesse, and he is not thought of very highly by his father. When Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to anoint the new king of Israel, as God has instructed him to do, Jesse does not call David in. David is the youngest, he's out keeping sheep in the field. And more than likely, when you have the prophet of the whole country come and visit you folks, you're going to have a meal. And the scriptures in the previous lesson would point to this and read this. And so Jesse calls in and Samuel instructs Jesse to bring his, his sons in before him. And he does not tell him why, but he says, bring in your son. So, so Jesse brings in seven of his sons and leaves David out in the field. And they all prayed in front of him. And Samuel doesn't get any recognition from the Lord or any direction from the Lord that the right person is in with them. And Jesse's going to prepare a meal for them because there's a little comment in the previous scriptures that says, uh, Samuel tells Jesse, Don't, do you have another son? What's up? And he says, uh, because we're not going to sit down until we have him when Jesse finally says, oh, well, I've got the youngest boy. He's out in the field with the sheep. That's his job. So anyway, Samuel is puzzled, but he does get Jesse to bring in the, the number eight son. And he... Uh, and, and as David comes in before Samuel, uh, Samuel tells Jesse, uh, this is him. And he, in fact, he tells everybody that's there. Uh, more than likely, not just his sons are there, and not just Jesse, but more than likely guests. And Je- Samuel takes a horn of oil and anoints David as king of Israel in front of his family. And this will come into our play, and we'll see a little bit in the scriptures later that this uh, creates a little bit of a stir with his brothers, in fact, a great deal of stir. So David is anointed king. The Holy Spirit moves off King Saul, and and it rests on David now. And then from there on, Saul, King Saul becomes tormented. Now we see a little bit more of David before today's story as as Saul is tormented and he seeks a person to play music to soothe his spirit. And somehow or another, the Lord brings it to Saul's servants that there is a young man in Bethlehem who can play a harp very well and may be able to soothe the spirit of Saul as he's tormented. And that's exactly what happened. Saul sends for David from Jesse's family. He, he comes into the court and plays a harp for him and becomes favored by Saul. Now, on one of the occasions, he asks that David comes and stays with him, but 
On occasion, David will go home to his family, and this is what's happening in today's story. This presents us and is a prerequisite to the story for today. David goes home to visit his family, and Saul takes his army and goes out to battle the Philistines once again. Oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> so, Probably too I'm much, gonna, right? No, 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 no. Actually, actually, that's a good setup because. Um, and before, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh, look at the look at the uh, the current chapter in a minute. Any any other thoughts, Kyle, as we as we roll into this? <clears throat> you know, I think it's uh, for myself. It's interesting on the older brother. You know, Eliab. You know, he's <laughs> kind of snubbed for the standard position. Of title of the number one person, you know right? exactly, and uh, you know so he, he in this story it plays out again that David the lowly kid the you know runt of the family the outcast the whatever the mm-hmm. goat herder because everybody else has mm-hmm. passed that you know crappy chore on to the next youngest and they get to and him, yeah. so that's just where he finds himself and so. Uh, you know, Eliab shows a, a very human side uh, of us all, where his pride and frustration uh, gets the better of him, and he yeah. speaks out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and read the scriptures. So we can That's dive fun. into this. Okay. It, it is a long passage. It's a long um, passage. Yeah. Mike mentioned earlier, it is First Samuel chapter 17. It does skip, so verses 1 through 11, then I'm going to skip and do 26 through 32. Please. And then 38 to 51. So, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demon between Sukkah and Hezekiah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a quarter scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome it and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, Why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. 
Your servant will go and fight it. Then Saul dressed David his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. It cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his head, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with the sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shell bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You can come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into the forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Then the Philistines saw that their hero was dead. They turned and ran. If, if I can set the scene here, um, and if you're listening, you can go on Google Maps and actually you can see this quite well if you use the, uh, the satellite Earth, Google Earth feature. The Valley of Elah is... You could say it is in where in central Israel is now. It is actually you're pulling out some uh, uh, stuff here. maps. <laughs> uh, I actually is, have a map. Uh, I had maps for our class in there. Go ahead, Steve. It is. It is about uh, 15, uh, 15 to twenty miles uh, southwest of Jerusalem, and it is kind of halfway to the Mediter- Mediterranean. If you if you can imagine that, and. Uh, the Jerusalem side, the Israelites at the time, and, and this is the, still the terrain today, uh, occupied higher ground. Those are, those are hill country, mountainous country, uh, up near Jerusalem, near Bethlehem, where David was from. Yeah. Uh, and the Philistines, they were again, we're, we're meeting the Philistines again, um, occupied their land was down uh, this coastal plain uh, west toward the Mediterranean. That's where their major cities were. Um, that's uh, where uh, that was their land. Now, the Valley of Elah was one of several valleys that crossed or cut through the mountains and were very strategic, obviously, because if you controlled those valleys, you controlled the access to to Israel and Judah, uh, and the Philistines were, were hoping to gain control of that valley to basically cut the Israelite kingdom in half. So you have both sides, and they're each on the top of these hills. And the, 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 that situation creates a, a, a stalemate, kind of a little like trench, trench warfare, but a little bit kind of the opposite, because both sides are on high ground. And to That's attack good. the high ground, you, of course, you have to go down into the valley. 
uh, and then you've got to go uphill. So it behooves either side. Either side is in a better position if they don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, along comes Goliath, the, the champion of the Philistines. A, a, the, 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 the Bible tells us he could be as high as tall as nine feet tall. Some translations push him six nine, but he was certainly large for his time. He was he was a you know the, he was the LeBron James of his time. He was big, yeah. um, and uh, and he was armored, heavily armored, and uh, hundred pounds of honor uh, armor, uh, a a, uh, a spear. A, a scimitar type of they, they say javelin in the text. I, my understanding is almost like a scimitar, yeah. uh, a curved sword. He had he had an with, armor bearer with, with in a front of him. huge steel point on the yes. end of it, yes. an iron point. And yeah. and so he was he was yeah. a, he was an intimidating individual, and he challenges the Israelites to single combat. Uh, he will he will be the Philistine champion. He calls for a champion from their ranks. They will fight it out hand to hand. At least Goliath thinks it's going to be hand to hand. Uh, and the winner will win the battle. Be declared winner of the battle. Um, I'm going to I'm I'm going to stop talking here because it gets interesting as David gets along. And and let's let's talk a little about the implications of that and and the David. I'm thinking yes. here. He's got so much armor on. Any one of the Israelites could have run around him and made him tired. <laughs> we'll, just pull we'll, we'll talk about that. Because he couldn't move right, in that armor. Right. But. And, and I want to I ping back just for a moment on what you said because, okay, I'm a history buff. Today's July 3rd. Uh, today is actually the 155th anniversary of the final day of Gettysburg. Yes. Okay. And for anyone who, when you hear battle lines, we think modern men today think modern warfare. You know, where I'm here and five miles over there somewhere is the other guys and we're shooting missiles and things like that. Civil War warfare was no further apart than 100 yards. Most of the time it was more like 50 yards. Half a football field at most. And there are a lot of points at the Battle of Shiloh where the lines are 25 yards apart. The second thing is terrain is important, the high ground somewhat today somewhat negated by mechanics and air power and all that back then the high ground was everything and what you had is as Steve alluded to, you had basically they say hills but it's really ridge lines mm-hmm. so I looked at a picture of the mm-hmm. valley real quick and to them it's hills yeah, the ridge Israelites line. on one side right. the Philistines are on the other side mm-hmm. and there's this big valley in between and if you go down in the valley, you're toast. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it really sets it up. It's always in battle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. High ground I mean, wins. High ground wins. You know, yeah. Vietnam War. You know, they fought yeah. for every hill. Yeah. Because why? It was the high, high ground wins every high time. Ground. High ground and so coming, you know, but looking at all of that, you know, and and so, you know, I, I, and, and it talked about, and Steve talked a little bit about that was actually kind of custom for them. You know, instead of wasting the armies and everybody killing each other, all right, send our two best out, they fight, whoever wins, wins, and we all go home. <laughs> kind of deal. So that was kind of customary, and of course, hey, if you were the Philistines, i send out the nine-foot-tall nine dude <laughs> with all the stuff on. And you can really see, we talked about it past podcasts, the Philistines' armoring capability. 
and you really yes. see it here. I mean, they are state. They are state of the art. I mean, oh, they, they are. They are. They they have the Tomahawk missile with the GPS crews <laughs> that can shoot a, that can shoot the missile through the air vent of that time. That is their mm -hmm. forte yeah. <laughs> for yeah. technology wise. So you know, so you're sitting there, and this guy comes out and taunts him every day. <laughs> So well, I'm wondering if they still don't have in mind the Philistines. See, now, the author mentions this in a couple of places I've read. says, why don't the Philistines just attack the Israelites? Well, one thing, you said the field advantage. Number two, if, if you can use one man to fight one other man, right, you don't lose a whole man, bunch of men in battle. But I'm th still thinking the Philistines are not sure really whether the God of Israel would stand up for them or not because they have lost dearly in previous well, battles. They've there. won before and they've lost before. Yes. So from their perspective, it's a 50-50 proposition. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's the way <laughs> and, I see and, it. Uh, Do they have to but they're, but they're not, they're, not. they're not so confident that they're going to go run up. <laughs> they're not so confident they're going to go down and attack. Um, so they see Goliath out there and say, and, well, let's see if the Lord does anything to him. <laughs> but but, anyway. but it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, when you get to the, the, those implications about him, he's He's out there kind of trash-talking not only the army, but yeah. the, ultimately God himself. But then David comes along. David, David, who's running supplies. Yeah, he's the <laughs> yeah, and, and we didn't read that, but yes. basically, yeah. if, if, you're, if your kids were in the army, part of your job was, especially for Jesse, Jesse was a, we talked about him last week, he was a relatively well-to-do man in mm -hmm. the in the community around Bethlehem. Yeah. So part of his deal was, I have to send supplies to the army, and I'll send my other son out there, and he can kind of report the back. <laughs> yeah, the sheep He'll report back how everybody's doing for me That's on top correct. of everything else. Yeah. And and Jesse actually contributed quite a bit if you read through it. It was, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, he took a donkey that was pretty much loaded down with food for everybody as yeah. he went through. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I like Kyle because I'll be honest. Kyle brought this up. The older brother, I had totally forgot about that till I read. Well, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. That's another. And this is where I think some of the essence of the lesson comes through. But just just yeah. give you an idea of the distances. Probably uh, David could get there with a cart. Could get there and back in a day. Figure it was about 15 miles from Bethlehem. A cart going about five miles an hour would yeah. get there. He started out first thing in the morning. He got there still. Still in the morning, and probably could go back in the evening, and, and that's <laughs> yeah. That's when that's what he was kind of more or less expected yeah. to do. Yeah, but I mean, to me, the interesting part of this whole deal is, is you know, how much time has really elapsed since Samuel anointed David, and then this. You know, he's grown up a little bit, but yet he's still out tending the sheep. Well, the I older think, boys are out fighting the battle. I, I find it interesting that that the prior lesson Mike had talked about, he was sent to Saul's court to mm -hmm. play the heart and keep Saul from mm -hmm. Saul well, the call. Here, but here he's back doing the uh, sheep thing. I think I think this is where where multiple sources come in. I agree. Um, <laughs> which I mean, the, the the book came together after the exile. Um, the sources are old, and, this, and, and from what I'm reading, some of the sources could be as, as contemporary with David. But I think here we have we, we, David is a I mean, was a major figure. Let's let's an Arturian figure. So there were probably multiple stories about David 
and these were brought together here. Um, obviously, you know, we can we can fit him together he, because he is kind of reintroduced to Saul at this point. Yeah, and so we can let we can That's we right. can you know we can let that go and not get too too hung up about it. But here's a another instance. Still, I think it's relatively young in his early in his career. Uh, but yeah, what, what does yeah, but his Eliab and and his whole reaction here? And I think there's. There's some things for we as men to learn. Well, I had to taste. I had an older brother. Did y'all grow up with an older brother? I, I, I'm an only, so I okay. have no... Let me tell you, he reacts like an older brother would to me <laughs> if I had favor in front of my parents. He does exactly what my older brother did many times. What are you doing here? Are you trying to cause trouble and he's jealous of me or something? If I've done something right that made the parents happy and he did not, this is a reaction that you will find an older brother to a younger brother. So I, I see this as perfectly normal, but the, the, I'm surprised he didn't do more because here he is, his little brother, baby brother, has been anointed king of Israel right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And like Kyle says, he was number one. Why in the world did God pass him up? And if him, why did he pass up number two? And then number three and number and four. Six and seven. <laughs> yeah. All, all the way to the land the, on the younger herd or the sheep. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's very interesting. And then his, so to me, his reaction is perfectly normal. I'm surprised he didn't do more, like shove him out there on the field and say, hey, go fight him right now. But, uh, now I point out, there's a couple really interesting things here. Y'all know Goliath says, if you defeat me, we will all be your servants. Did that come about when Not David her. defeated Goliath? <laughs> they more or less ran away, got <laughs> slaughtered in the process, but so, defeated, yes. So they didn't yeah. quite make good on that. They didn't agree with Goliath. Then. <laughs> the first thing that were pushing him out the front to see if God was going to strike him with lightning <laughs> took off and yeah. ran when David struck him with a stone. So, so. Well, there was another interesting point that the, uh, the author of this lesson uh, brought up that uh, hmm. I don't know how to say that. I don't know. Come back to me on that. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and Mike, Mike alluded to this. You know, Goliath was looking for the one on one single combat, hold on to our swords, and we're going to. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, spear, shield. Yeah. We're going to stand and look at each other like a boxer. Yeah. But not no. everybody yeah. boxes like boxers right. and follows the rules. And, and David right. came and he took a different approach completely to this. And when he looked at the battle, he took a totally different approach to it and a total different method of doing it. And Kyle is back. <laughs> with this thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw that look. I had to glance back at that book. Um, you know, the, uh, the author alluded that when Saul dressed him in his whole get-up, that <clears throat> he was trying to give off the facade of himself yeah. to everybody. Yes. So if he, his armament walks out onto the field, and slays the giant, well then, everybody Saul saw, saw, saw well, do and, and this. That actually, that actually did happen, um, and that was known. Warriors had distinct armor back then. Yeah. Everyone had a, everyone had a Well, especially uniform. the king. 
But, but well, and if you, and if anybody wants a contemporary approach to that, uh, the movie Troy with Brad Pitt, where yeah. his cousin goes out, leads the merman, and gets killed by Hector, <laughs> which, because everybody's like, it's it's Achilles, Achilles is leading us, and we're gonna follow him. And what Achilles? It's his cousin, because yeah. he was wearing Achilles' mm-hmm. armor at that point. With it, so I think I think yeah, I think Saul was trying to. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to give um, credit. Uh, was trying to take credit, or, or at least maneuver itself into the situation again, which is very Saul-like, and we even see. Uh, where, where? This is the Man Up Con. Uh, this is the Man Up Podcast. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. Welcome back. This is the Man Up Podcast, uh, the spiritual oasis for men. We're usually at Sugarland Baptist Church, but today we're uh, off-site, uh, on location at Spring Creek Barbecue in Missouri City, one town over. Uh, w- with me is our panel, Robert Cushot, Mike Cropper, and Kyle Trahan, and we're talking about uh, David and Goliath, uh, chapter 17 of the first book of Samuel. Um, we're talking uh, about uh, David's appearance on the scene and his. Uh, well, let's let's let me put it to you this way: um, the story is always classically the underdog uh, versus the top dog. The the guy comes out of nowhere and miraculously overcomes uh, a, a, a powerful foe. Is it really the truth? Is this was David an underdog? Well, it's uh, a lot of the same thing of, you know, the, the schoolyard bully. You know, so many times they've got the size, they've got the girth, they got the beard on them. <laughs> you know, whatever, in high school, uh, all these boys are shaving every morning trying to make three hairs come out, and this kid's got the full growth. He's intimidating. But you pop him on his knee and you take him to the ground, and he's nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And he, but he can show the aggression, he can show it, which is what Goliath did day after day after day. And that'll get into your psyche. And then throw in the fact that Saul had uh, reservations now. So he he, he, he lacked indecision. <laughs> well, he, he now lacked indecision. God has left him and he can't make up his mind what to do. And so after so many days of that, you know, it, it's just what it is. You know, it just keeps going. We, we also see uh, here that um, 
and again, here's, here's I think a lesson for, for men, especially men in a structural organization, a hierarchical organization. Saul is not thinking outside the box. We we're talking about Saul wants, is being challenged to a, a, a man against man, soldier versus soldier, fist fight, uh, sword fight, spear yeah. fight. David is thinking outside the box. David is the young guy in the room who says, hey, wait a minute. I think I can beat this guy, but I've got a certain way of doing it because I have a, you know, and he brings in his shepherd's background. And, and let's talk a little about the shepherd's sling and yeah. what it is. Well, the, and sling, the sling, and, and Steve and I both watched, I, I posted yes. earlier this week, a uh, TED Talk by Malcolm Gladwell who wrote the book David and Goliath and he compared this and he's one of the authors I follow but the shepherd sling it's not the slingshot like we all think about it not the dentist the yeah, yeah it's not dentist right. yeah this is basically a leather pouch with two strings on it going out about three feet usually you would put a stone or a rock or a piece of lead ball or iron or something in the middle you would take it and whirl it around your head until you're going about 200 revolutions a minute, let go of one string, hold the other. And it talk, he talks about in the ancient world, much like today, there was cavalry, infantry, and artillery. And artillery was either archery or slings, actually, back then. And these, these rocks or things would go out from the sling at close to 100 miles an hour. <laughs> so it's not a, you know, it's not, it's going to hit something and break you a wood. Check this out on, on, on YouTube. Just put Shepherd's Sling in your YouTube search engine. And there are, there are modern day guys showing them. And I, you also might find, uh, I know I found a video of some Afghan shepherds or you really want to get into the whole David feel of it. These kids on a little, you know, maybe 12, 13. And boy, these things are lethal. They have. Uh, they use them obviously to protect the, well, the livestock. The then the peer that Goliath even noticed the slip. Because the first thing he says is, "You come out with me. Am I a dog? You come out with a stick for me." I don't think he notices David. David's sling. Therefore, he's not prepared mentally for it. And 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 you got to put this in perspective again. For 40 days he's been out here taunting Israel and he's been the winner every day and he's getting more and more arrogant, more and more built up in pride, more and more, you guys just can't do it. You're not going to be able to do it. And, and, and this is, God has opened the perfect opportunity now for a small guy that he favors to come in and take Goliath's life. Goliath is not expecting the sling. I, th I think what you're ending up with as you look at it, you're seeing um, David's different approach. And David David looks, as you said, Steve, out of the box at all this. He looks at it and says, this is basically the shepherd coming on and moving through and making a point to go and move forward with it. The um, thing I, I, I question here, we know that God has moved His favor onto David now. It's moved away from Saul. And Goliath challenges Israel. And the way he does it with David is he insults David and curses him by his own God. Which ultimately, uh, the question here, you know, uh, is, do y'all think this is an insult? 
to God, or is it an opportunity for God to make David shine, or a combination of both? Both. I definitely think both. This is David. This is God making a point, and I think it, it's God elevating David in the same yes. way. Because the the other thing this does, part of we skipped over the verses, but real quick, what we did was this this actually put David in the royal family because part of the deal was he got to marry a daughter yes. because of this. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah, so this but solidified his position. In the there, there, there's also the part of this, in fact, the title of the chapter, Faith to Face a Giant. David comes in here not, not just with the skills to use a sling and, 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 and to be able to shoot one accurately or curl one accurately. He, he believes 100% that God is behind him. That God will be his, you know, God will direct that stone. God put him there for that moment. And he does this all, again, unlike Saul, he does this all in the name of the Lord. Yeah, he is is going down as as much as the the warrior for the nation of Israel, the warrior for the Lord. Yes, absolutely. Most definitely. He he prioritizes and says, I will... The Lord will deliver you into my hand. And then everyone will know that it's not by sword or spear, but it's by the victory is the Lord. Yep. And the battle is the Lord. And he will deliver you. Absolutely, Steve. That's, that's the thing. It's uh, interesting. We got that sign in the man up room. The battle is it's not yours, but the battle, battle, the battle is the Lord's. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And David, and I think this is the prime example where David recognized that. Right. That, that this battle was God's and the problem was nobody else wanted to look at it as That's a normal battle they wanted to look at it as a normal battle they didn't want to look at it as a battle from God that God was going to win for them uh, a few things and, and, and as I said we are, we are in Spring Creek Barbecue so behind us you hear actually People in the barbecue eating, so so uh, we, we hope that's that being somewhat. Uh, but before we uh, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about some of the the the, the awesomeness is David here, and the and the uh, this is a situation we love to talk about in Man Up because in in other Bible studies you kind of get that now now David he's not he he is confident enough in his faith, so confident he is not afraid to speak up. To, to the king, um, not just, I mean, we're talking about not only the bravery of going into battle against a giant, but also to assert himself, to basically say, I think I can, more than I, I, I can do this. Put me right. in, coach. I am going to win this one Actually, for you. Actually, he does one better because and, he, and he basically looks at everybody and says, and, and we kind of read over and go, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Yes. He's basically calling David calling Goliath an SOB yeah. any other that's any other any other words you want to sub in there I'm going to stand around and get disrespected that's yeah right. you know. that's the way you cursed him back then yeah, yeah. and so but I, but I think there's that that's part of the lesson of the confidence that I, I that the Lord is behind me yeah the yes. Lord is alongside me which um uh, and and it's uh, it, it's empowering, literally for him. He, he he's not he's he's that that gives him that that confidence again to <clears throat> and to pick up his own his own thing he's familiar with. Yes, let me do it my way. I, I think that's important in our life today. And sometimes I was, we were talking in class. 
I have faced things where I did not know the answer and I was afraid. I honestly was afraid. Mm-hmm. I just said, I've got to do it. The Lord will help me. And I just said that over and over mm-hmm. and over. Even though I was afraid. I said, the mm-hmm. Lord will help me. The Lord will show me what to do. Mm-hmm. The Lord will help me. And I think that's that's very important. I think that's exactly what yeah. David does. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you will face those things, people, that where you are afraid or you're not sure what the answer mm-hmm. is and you're not sure the direction to go. And if you truly believe you're doing what's right, you just speak the word. Sometimes you have to say them out loud. The, At least the, I do. Yeah, the, and the other side of this is also <laughs> in, contained in the lesson. Sometimes giants are not as... Years, years, they might have years 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 right. yeah, It's like I was saying, the bully earlier. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. No, you're Malcolm fucking right. Gladwell dealt a lot with that in his. Yes, that's, that's um, But of course, a, a thousand years after this happens, uh, Paul will eloquently put this into one sentence in Romans, Romans 8, 13, when God is with us, who can be against us? And right. this, is, right. this is a story that, that illustrates this. Yeah. Closing thoughts around the table. So, as I know, it's going to get a little crowded. Right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, with uh, with Saul, you know, so David was brought to him to play the harp in mm-hmm. his time of mental dismay, if you will, um, and, and sued him. And then David comes to him again here on the battlefield and declares his thing that I can go and and take care of this and we'll all be done here and and we can get on with our happy little lives. And at the end, you know, so our our lesson stops at a certain point. Mike, you were saying, you know, that they leave out some interesting interesting pieces. You know, when we're talking about the slain, David, you know, they skip over the part where David's saying, you know, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear and, and all of this. Um, you know, but at the very end, uh, in verse 58, Saul looks at David and he says, Well, whose son are you, young man? Right. Wait a minute. I played the harp for you, you SOB. I mean, you, you circumcised whatever, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that he has no idea at the end of this chapter who David still is. Yeah. Well, he didn't really notice him before. Yeah. I don't think he did. He's the guy with the harp. I, I, think, I, think, I think Saul was at the point where Saul was just going through the motions. He was a leader. He didn't have to pay attention to the whole person. And I, I will... Stand by this. You can tell a lot by a leader with how they treat the janitor. Right. Does the CEO speak to the janitor or the security guard or anybody mm-hmm. else as they walk through the building? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do they just walk past them because David they're invisible people to That's right. David was just a lowly heart player. Yeah. Well, folks, my only comment is read 1 Samuel 17 again. Mm-hmm. We went through it rather quickly and abruptly. You could probably read it seven times and not get everything <laughs> that there is there for you. Because yeah. it's a fascinating, fascinating story that we believe is really a true story. Yep. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to go to our deacon, Kyle Trahan. Pray us out. Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this... Uh, glorious country that we live in, that we have the freedoms and liberties that we do, especially on this July 4th when we celebrate our freedoms. Protect the men and women that are out there serving our country. Yes, that's true. Protect and 
guide our leaders to help them make the best decisions for the people that they serve. Thank you for the men that have gathered here and uh, our gracious hosts here at Spring Creek Barbecue uh, for allowing us to come in and, and take up some, some space in their restaurant. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, bless our church, Bill and his family as they travel and take care of some, some final things there with his dad and, and family estates. Uh, Lord, show us how to be better men, help us to be better for each other, and better for others. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And thank you for listening. Uh, find us on Facebook at Man-Up, Twitter, Man-Up. Uh, you can find the past 62 podcasts we did, we are up to 63, on SoundCloud. Uh, we, we've got several on iTunes. Um, so, uh, once again, uh, have a good uh, 4th of July, and uh, certainly if you're thinking or looking at a Bible-based church, go for a visit. Check it out. If you're part of a church and you're looking for a men's ministry, well, maybe that's the Lord urging you to start one yourself. And I want to thank our panel again, Robert Koshu, Mike Proper and Kyle Trahan. I'm Steve Kitch. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up podcast.